Cool, Morena. Again, good to see you. Hey, buenos dias. If you're, hey, buenos dias. Como estas? Always bien. See? Nice. Cool. Alrighty, so Easter Sunday. So this is a bit of a weird sermon. So I'm starting with kind of a weird apology, which is the number one rule in sermon preaching is you never start apologizing because everyone then is like, where's he going? But Easter Sunday is meant to be a sermon about the resurrection and joy and like, whoa, Jesus, Jesus, and we're all like running around with excitement and stuff. And I really worked hard this week, a lot harder than I normally do writing a sermon, to get the sermon to go to the Jesus joy part, but it just kept going back to the cross. And so I have a, I have a little um, philosophy in sermon writing that I kind of fight the sermon for so long, and then I just give up. And I go, maybe God wants me to go where he's trying to get me to go, and I need to stop trying to tell the sermon where to go. So the sermon's more on the cross, so it's more on Friday than it is on Easter Sunday. So if that ticks you off, you have two options. One, you can come and complain to me, and I'm going to be like, not my fault, man. Or two, you can yell at God, because I think he was telling me where to go. So we'll see. We'll see where we end up. Eh? Let me start with a bit of a, um, bit of a story to, to kind of get us into where we're heading this morning. So um, one of the weird things about being a pastor, or cool things, depending on the situation, is you get drawn into people's lives in all sorts of different ways, right? Um, some of them really exciting. So you get to marry people. Um, you get to journey with people in exciting things and cool things. And it's kind of like, whoa, this is really cool being a pastor. But there's also real hard things, and often as a pastor you get drawn into, which is a real privilege, into tough things, funerals and sickness and struggle and all this kind of stuff. And a bunch of years ago, a good friend of mine um, needed to go to court because uh, he'd done some bad stuff, like real bad, right? And he was really worried about how it was all going to go, so I was there with some friends, and we were there to support him. And uh, what he'd done was quite bad, and, and I, I say this next bit real carefully, so we were praying that justice would be done, but we were praying for a real light sentence. Does that make sense? So we weren't praying you know, that, that God would just wipe away the crimes or anything weird, but we were praying for justice, but we were praying for a real light sentence. So they'd already had all the trial stuff and all that stuff. This was the final sentencing. And so um, a bunch of us were sitting in the court, at the back of the court, and he was there to be sentenced. And um, what they do, the judge reads out very clearly the crime. And he also read out... Uh, a lot of the impact statements from the victim and victims and stuff. And I just sat there going, oh, my gosh. It was very powerful what the judge was saying. And, and I thought, oh, man, I don't know if this is going to go well. And one of the things we've been praying is that he wouldn't go to jail. That was one of our big prayers because he was freaking out that he, he just did not want to go to jail. And then the judge does the final sentencing, and he was sent to jail for a number of years. And I don't know if you've been in court when that happens, but they, <laughs> the bailiffs just come straight forward, grab you, and they just march you out. And it's kind of like, what the heck just happened? Um, and so a few of uh, me and a few of his friends, we were sitting out um, just outside the courtroom afterwards, just kind of reflecting on what happened. And one, we were really shocked that the sentence was felt so extreme. But then when you understood the crime, you were like, oh. Which led to the second feeling, which was, and I think justice was done in this situation. It was real harsh, real harsh, but justice was done. And one of the things we were, we were talking about as a group of friends was, and, and this is the, the thing, right? He, he did the crime, so now he has to pay for the crime, right? He did a real bad thing. <laughs> he really hurt some people. And so now, according to our court system, he needs to pay for that. And the way he's going to pay for that was to go to prison for... A bunch of years, right? A bunch of years. Um, 
One of the things, and I know you guys know this, but one of the things I'm going to say so many times this morning is that I find the cross, and I say this carefully, just ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> because every one of you in this room, every one of you listening on podcast, including me, <laughs> we sin <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Sometimes we sin accidentally, and then we catch ourselves, and we're like, oh, why did I do that? But... To be really blunt, we also sin intentionally all the time. We are messed up, broken people. And again and again, we offend others, we offend God with our chosen evil, with our chosen choices to disobey God, to hurt people, to hurt God, to hurt ourselves. And again, sometimes it's accidental, but often it's a choice. So like my friend, he, he did this crime, so therefore he, he had to pay the punishment for us. We choose to do evil. We choose to offend God. We choose to hurt others. We choose to hurt ourselves. The logical thing would be for God to say, death, <laughs> right? Death beyond you, spiritual death, physical death, because you did evil intentionally. But the thing we see in the cross is this completely ridiculous reversal where God goes, that's just not going to work because I love you. <laughs> you can't pay for it. So the only way your evil can be paid for is for God to step down, <laughs> be one of us so he can be in our place, our substitute, and, and die in our place for our evil, our chosen evil, right? Um, so I want to unpack um, just one verse from what Josephine read. And this is it here, so I'll read this. So this is Mark 15, 34. And you guys know this verse super well, but there's just one little phrase in there I really want to pull apart a bit. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Um, and it's that word abandonment that I want to pull apart a bit, right? So what does this mean? So it can't mean <laughs> that the Trinity stops being a Trinity, right? It can't mean that the Father and the Spirit are like, Jesus, you're so evil, and I'm going to explain all that in a minute, that they're like, you're out of the team, right? We're now not a trinity, we're a duo, is that right? I don't know how to say that in Spanish. We're a two, and Jesus, you're cast out. It can't be that, right? Because they're a trinity. They are three and one. You can't. So what does this mean, this whole abandonment um, thing? How is Jesus abandoned? And I want to unpack it in just a couple of little ways. So here's the first one. Our sin caused a judicial abandonment. Right? Our sin caused uh, judicial abandonment. And this is maybe a little technical. I don't think it's too technical. Um, but that's why I started with that courtroom illustration, because justice was done, right? Um, it's a judicial abandonment of God um, towards Jesus. So I want to look at a couple of verses real quick on this. So here's the first one. Um, Galatians 3, verse 13. And you see it very clearly in here. Let me read this. But Christ has rescued us from the curse. So turn to someone beside you and say, Curse. Because that's a bit of a freaky word. It's all good. Yeah, that was kind of lame, to be honest. Let's try it again. Because curse is a bad word. It's a horrible word. So turn to someone beside you and say, curse, with some... Oh, okay. Some of you... Some of you are a worry. Okay. But Christ... Church people, eh? You tell them to say one word and they're like, curse. Oh, bro, how are you doing? Your hair looks good. It's like, shh. Unbelievable. I'm trying to preach up here, right? But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. 
And this is that, that bit I'm talking about, right? He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For as written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who's hung on the tree. I, I just love this verse. Look at it again, that middle bit, because Paul just makes this so incredibly clear. When he was hung on the cross, this is Friday, right? He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. What is the curse? The curse is this physical and spiritual death, <laughs> separation from God. And I love how Paul makes it so clear. It's our wrongdoing. It's your evil, your chosen evil, my chosen evil. Why Jesus died, why he, why he hung on the cross, right? You see this, this abandonment from God because this is Jesus taking our punishment, right? Um, here's another verse. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made Christ who never sinned, because he, he can't have sinned, right? Because if Jesus did even one sin, then he'd be dying for his own sin. But he did no sin, so therefore he can die in our place, Right? For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. There's that crazy word again, right? This offering, this sacrifice for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Um, that exchange there is just so clear that Christ, because of our wrongdoing, because of our chosen evil, Christ takes our punishment. This is this judicial abandonment of God because he's being punished for our sin, and instead we get the righteousness, the purity, the good, the, the beauty of God on us in this exchange, right? So we commit evil acts and thoughts, and some of these are accidental, as I said, but many of them are intentional. And God decreed that the punishment for sin is to be cut off from him forever in spiritual death. So at this point, Jesus is sin. That's what this verse says, right? So at this point, Jesus is spiritually cut off from God, in a way that I just do not understand. I can't understand how the Trinity can continue to be the Trinity, but yet Jesus is abandoned by God. As he's punished and cursed and sacrificed by God for my sin, by, for your sin. I, I really don't think we have any kind of understanding of the weight of our sin. I don't think we even, we even scratch what it really means that we are evil sinners before God. We don't understand what, what eternity and hell enduring the wrath of God forever. We just don't get that. And so therefore, we don't get what Jesus endured on the cross for us. We just can't comprehend it. Does it make sense, eh? We kind of get it a little bit, but we're like, man, I don't, I don't get it. Um, this, this quote um, here, I, I just found this very powerful. So um, this is from Fleming Rutledge. said, what sort of predicament are you and I in that we should require the crucifixion of the Son of God? Let me read that again. What sort of predicament are you and I in that we should require the crucifixion of the Son of God? And what, what that quote means is your sin, my sin, is so heinous and evil to God that only the sacrifice of God himself could atone for our sin. Only the sacrifice of the Son of God would be enough to redeem us from our chosen state of evil and sin. Makes sense, eh? It's just a good one to reflect on. It's not just like an angel died or God did some little thing. It's like the only way to redeem us, the only way to save us from our chosen evil is for God himself to take it. It's that extreme, right? It's that, that massive, man. So that's the first part, right? There's this judicial abandonment as God punishes Jesus for the sin of the world. There's this abandonment that's cut off. Um, and here's the second one. And this one I... So the first one I go, man, I just don't understand it because it's the, I don't get the weight of sin, but I get that it's 
heinous and incredible, and I'm so thankful to Jesus. But the second one I kind of get. So this is the second one. Our sin caused relational abandonment, right? Our sin caused a relational abandonment. And like I said, I, I kind of understand this one a bit more. So let me give you a, an illustration that kind of fits, but kind of doesn't, so whatever. Um, so who's ever had a speeding ticket? Yeah, there's a lot of people lying right now. So just so you know, God knows all, and he's looking at you now going, real? No, I'm joking. Well, he does, but I'm not going there, right? So I've had a couple of speeding tickets in my day. Never my fault, right? It's never my fault. Um, and my favorite, my favorite speeding ticket was, um, we used to live way out in the country, and I used to um, fly a lot for my job. And I, um, it took about 45 minutes to get from my house to the airport. And often I'd cut it kind of fine because I like sleeping in. And so sometimes I'd be catching a flight at 6.30 in the morning and so try and sleep in as much. And then, car gone, airport, fly, sort of thing. Um, and without speeding. And one day someone who remained anonymous borrowed my car the day before and returned it with almost no petrol in it, which I didn't realise. And so I got out there at like, I don't know, it was like quarter to six or even earlier than that. Jumped in my car to go to the airport and I was like... <laughs> I'm not even going to make it to the airport in time. I'm going to have to go and get petrol to get to the airport, which I freaked out. So I may have exceeded the speed limit. Let's use the word may very strongly there. No, I, I was speeding. Raced into town, got petrol, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I am going to be, I'm going to miss this flight. And I was, so I was literally flying to Wellington to speak at a church. And so if I miss the flight, who's going to preach? And it's like, God's like, and eh, I can get anyone to preach a clown, but I didn't think that. I was like, I have to get there. So I was exceeding the speed limit by maybe half a kilometre an hour, right? Nah, by a bunch. And next minute, a cop going the other way, lights, sirens, and I was like, no. And I pulled straight over and stopped because I'm a nice human. And then he spun around and came back to, um, to chat with me. And he jumps out of his car and he goes, well, thanks for stopping so fast, bro. Most people keep racing and I have to chase them down. And I was like... I'm a Christian, bro, I've screwed up, you know, whatever. And I was tacked off. Like, I was so angry with the person who borrowed my car, who will remain nameless, mystery person, who I know, but you guys don't know. Um, and I was so angry at myself for getting a ticket. Because, like, you talk to anyone who pays a ticket, and no disrespect to police, it's just wasted money, right? You don't get anything for it. It's not like you pay the ticket, and you're like, yes, I get a whatever, it's nothing, it's just money you throw away, and you're like, I'm an idiot, right? So I was so angry with myself, and the cop was like, bro, you need to calm down, and I was like, man, I do, I do, I was like, I'm so sorry, and I was like, oh, breathe, 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 and I was thinking, I'm missing the flight in the church, I was like, ah, everything is going crazy. So he's just casually writing out the ticket, and everything in me wanted to like shake and be like, hurry up, bro, and he's just like writing it out and stuff, putting smiley faces on it, I was like, oh my gosh. So he finally wrote out the ticket, and he gives it to me. And because I'm a Jesus nerd, and I'm sure heaps of you do this too, so I thanked him for it. And I said, oh, thanks, man. I said, you're totally right. I was breaking the speed limit. I'm an idiot. Thanks heaps for stopping me and writing out this ticket. You're the man. He goes, I don't think anyone has ever thanked me for giving them a ticket. And I said, I'm a Christian, man. I just want to admit, I'm always looking for those little things about Jesus, right? Um, Okay, weird story, right? Um, totally fictitious, of course. I never got a ticket. No, I did totally get a ticket. Um, so what happened in this? In this, there was there's certainly a judicial aspect to this. There was punishment. I had to pay money, a tiny amount, because it was such a small ticket. No, I'm joking. It was, it was huge. No, it wasn't. I had to pay. There was a judicial abandonment, if you like, between me and the law of our land, because I had to endure a punishment. I had to pay money. Does it make sense? Are you with me? But there was no relational abandonment. I didn't leave the cop, you know, separated from the cop in some weird way, cursing the cop. Hey, there was no 
relational separation. But when we look at Christ on the cross, we see that judicial abandonment because he is sin. He's enduring our punishment. He's cursed. He's cut off from God. But there's also this whole relational abandonment. And this is the one that I understand way more than the judicial one. I, I get that one technically, but I don't kind of feel it. This one I can feel, right? So there's this verse from um, Habakkuk that explains why there's a relational abandonment. Um, Habakkuk 1.13. But you are, it's talking about God, but you are pure. And you cannot stand the sight of evil, right? You cannot stand the sight of evil. So it just makes total sense. It's like there is no way when Jesus is sin, our sin, right? When he's enduring our sin, when he's paying for our sin, God just cannot be there, right? He just can't because Jesus is now evil. And that's all that's opposed to God. He can't be where there is sin. He can't be where there is evil. So now there's this very clear relational abandonment by God the Father, where he's looking at the son, I think still in love, wanting to be with him, wanting to comfort him, wanting to empower him, but there's nothing because Jesus is now sin. And that relationship is broken. That relationship between the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son is, is broken in some kind of crazy way that just makes me go, oh. Now, one of the things, when you read that verse um, in isolation that Joseph read, that verse from Mark, it can, well, sorry, it can look like um, Jesus is saying, God, you've deserted me forever. I'm abandoned forever. This is the end. I'm, I'm literally cut off. But the, the verse that Jesus quotes, a lot of when Jesus speaks, like, um, he's quoting the Old Testament. And this one's from Psalm 22, which is a psalm of, ooh, of David's. And David's um, in there, when you read the bigger um, couple of verses, you see what David's saying. David sinned, and he's saying, I'm, I'm kind of cut off from you, God. But he's not saying I'm cut off forever. I'll show you the verse, because then you're like, oh my gosh, that totally makes sense. So this is more of the, the quote, which Jesus took a little bit of. So this is Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And we're like, oh my gosh, that's literally what we just read in Mark. Oh, so cool. But then look at the expansion of it. Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. You, you can see in there, right? It's not a like you're, you've gone and left me forever. It's just like, oh, you just, I can't see you. I can't feel you anymore. And it's that, that crazy reality that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have existed in perfect community forever and ever, for eternity, right? Eternity, eternity, eternity. We can't comprehend that. And now on the cross, the one time that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has actually needed the Trinity. He needs their support. He needs their empowerment. He needs their love. And he's like, we're, we're, I've lost you. Why, guys? And that's because he is our sin. He's being punished in, in our place, right? Um, crazy. I've got this quote that I just love. Um, it's, a, it's long. It's two, two slides, but I think it's really powerful. And to me, it explains something of this relational abandonment that Jesus endures on the cross. So let me read, read this. I'll read it quite slowly because I think it's quite powerful. Jesus in his human nature knew he would have to bear our sins to suffer and to die. But in his human consciousness, he probably did not know how long the suffering would take. Yet to bear the guilt of millions of sins, even for a moment, would cause the greatest anguish of soul. To face the deep and furious wrath of an infinite God, even for an instant, would cause the most profound fear. 
It makes sense, right? And, and I know you guys know it, eh? But this is why Jesus is freaking out in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's why he's sweating drops of blood, which is just that extreme stress because of this. He's not worried about the crucifixion. He's not worried about going to the cross. He's like, I don't care about that. Even though it's heinous, it's bearing the sin of the world that he's terrified of because he knows what the weight of sin is, right? So the quote um, carries on. But Jesus' suffering was not over in a minute or two or ten. When would it end? Could there be yet more weight of sin? Yet more wrath of God, hour after hour it went on. The dark weight of sin and the deep wrath of God poured over Jesus in wave after wave. And Jesus at last cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why must the suffering go on so long? Oh God, my God, will you ever bring it to an end? Mm. I find that so powerful, this relational aspect where... Jesus now desperately needs the Trinity, <laughs> and they're not there, <laughs> because that should be us on the cross, right? Jesus is broken and bruised and crucified, so that we are not broken and bruised and crucified. Jesus is cut off from God, so that we can be connected to God. It's this whole reversal, right? This whole reversal, um, this little quote, I, I just keep coming back to this quote uh, all week. Before we can get to the glorious resurrection, we must take full account of the tragic necessity of the cross. Um, and like I said, uh, we, we can't understand that weight of sin, but I think as humans we can get that relational abandonment more and to realize that should be me. It should be you because you do evil. I do evil, but God knows the only sacrifice that can pay it is for himself to step down and, and take our place. I just find that incredible, right? <sighs> so I just want to finish um, pretty, pretty briefly here, talking about some of the joy, right? So again, it's Easter Sunday. I'm meant to be preaching on joy and <laughs> Easter rabbits and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so what I thought I'd do is I talk about this all the time in church, right? You guys know me. I'm always talking about being blessed by God and guided and empowered and all that good stuff, right? I'm always talking about that. And I wanted to try and do it a bit more carefully. I don't know. And so I just want to read some verses from Ephesians um, chapter 1. So I've got them on the screen. And as I read them, though, I know this is kind of hard to do, but I want to encourage you as you read these, as I read these verses to you, to just keep reminding yourself, this should not be. <laughs> this should not be. You deserve to be broken and beaten and crucified and, and judged for eternity because of your sin, because of my sin. And the only reason that Paul can write this in Ephesians is because of the sacrifice of Christ. And so as I read it, and, and some of you have read it tons of times, and you can just fall into the hole, oh, yeah, come. But I'm kind of asking, try not to do that. Try and, as I read each bit, be like, oh, my goodness, thank you, Jesus. Oh, my goodness, thank you, Jesus. Is that cool, eh? Yes, Craig, that's super cool. Shot team. I love how we're such a team together when I preach. It's just amazing. All right, let me read these um, slowly. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every... Oh, I just love that word. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. 
even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ or because of what Jesus did on the cross, right? This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. That is a crazy verse. I'm going to come back and talk about that briefly because that is a nutty, nutty verse. Oh my gosh. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding, only because of Jesus, right? <laughs> only because Jesus came down from heaven, endured hell for you forever in three hours. How does that even work? Um, was abandoned by the Trinity. It just blows my mind. Um, so uh, a long time ago now, so I have the best father-in-law ever. You guys, if you think you have a cool father-in-law, not even. Even you, Bex, definitely not. Your father-in-law is nuts, just saying. So my father-in-law is amazing. And a whole bunch of years ago, he wrote out Ephesians 1 for me um, by hand. And what he did is he changed it from being kind of generic to being my name beside each of the, the statements that Paul makes. And so he wrote it out. It was like this. Craig is blessed with every spiritual blessing. Craig is united with Christ. Craig is chosen by God and so on, which was just beautiful, right? It was so cool. So I'm going to read it again in a minute, but kind of changing it to be like that. You'll see what I mean. And what I want to encourage you to do is it's Easter, right? Some of us have to work and all that crazy stuff, but heaps of us have a little bit of extra time. So what I'd love, what I'm, what I'm asking you to do, you can do whatever you want, obviously. <laughs> what I'm asking you to do is to take some time, either this afternoon or tomorrow. It, would, it could take you as short as five minutes, or it could take you a couple of hours if you really kind of get lost in the awesomeness of who you are in Christ. But what I'd love to encourage you to do is to write out just those verses, three through eight, and put your name there, right? Put your name there. Um, or maybe God's putting the name of someone on your heart right now. And you're like, oh my gosh, this could be a real powerful gift where I take those verses and I write it out for someone else and I put their name there, right? Does it make sense? And then and give it to them or give it to yourself and kind of hold on to it. Um, so here it is as, as I I'm kind of wrote it out so we can see it real clearly, right? Um, and I'm just going to read these real slowly and I want you to just kind of sit in this for a moment and keep reminding yourself this is because of the sacrifice of Christ. Um, so here's these little statements, right? Um, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. <laughs> so this literally means there is now no blessing that God desires for you to have that you don't have. You literally have everything that he knows you need because you have every spiritual blessing. Mm. You are united with Christ. You are chosen by God. <laughs> um, you're chosen by him because <laughs> he loves you. <laughs> he knows this planet is insane at the moment. Oh my gosh. But God looks at you in love and says, don't do it alone. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I chose you. You're united to me. I'm like, man, it's just beautiful. Um, no matter what you think, sometimes we are very negative about ourselves and we judge ourselves really harshly. 
So no matter what you think about yourself, you are holy. You are without fault in God's eyes. Your sin is forgiven if you're in a relationship with him. I just love that. And these last two are just incredible, I reckon. You are covered in the kindness of God. You are covered with all the wisdom and understanding of God. Man, I just love that, eh? Because of the sacrifice of Christ. It's not what you deserve. You don't deserve this stuff. I don't deserve it. I deserve death and bruising and judgment and wrath. But because of the sacrifice of Christ, because he chose to be abandoned, I'm covered in kindness. I'm covered in grace. I'm covered in blessing. I'm covered in the guidance of God. It's like, whoa, craziness, eh? Craziness. Hey, worship team, do you guys want to come up? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing a little more. So I just really encourage you to take some time this afternoon or tomorrow or whenever you can to just write out those verses, either for yourself or maybe there's someone that God's put on your heart, and you're like, hmm, they need to be reminded of the blessing for them because of what Christ has done, eh? So let me, let me pray. Yeah, Almighty God, thanks uh, always for the incredible sacrifice of Christ. And Father God, man, thanks that you endured, I don't want to say hell, but horribleness, <laughs> as you punished someone that you love infinitely, completely, fully. Um, I think we always focus on the sacrifice of Christ, but forget that you are the one sacrificing him. And the pain and the hurt and the anguish that that must have caused you. I mean, I can't even imagine what it's like to be in a perfect community, perfect communion, perfect love with someone for eternity. And then they're calling out to you and you're like, nope. <laughs> no, I, I won't be there right now because you are sin. And not only are you not going to receive my, my connection, my love, my empowerment, you're going to receive my wrath and my judgment. I just feel real frustrated we don't get the weight of sin, God. We don't get that, that what, what Christ endured for those three hours where he took our punishment. Hey, I don't understand that. I, I kind of get the relational stuff a bit more, I think, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Thank you for those amazing verses by, um, that you inspired Paul to write in Ephesians 1. Hey? Just incredible, God. Yeah, I just pray that you'll help us to find some time uh, over the next couple of days to just read through those and pray through those and maybe write them out with our name in there, reminding ourselves of the blessing we have because of the sacrifice of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, for your incredible sacrifice. Eh? Yeah, I really hope in the new heavens and the new earth, Jesus, that we can understand a lot more of what your sacrifice really meant for us. Yeah, I pray all this in Jesus' name.